like many of you, I get inundated with all kinds of solicitations for charities. I probably get um, well, probably a dozen or so a week. And, um, you know, I think I probably have the same reaction towards them that most of you do. But each and every one of them express a, a, a dire need for help, you know, for children, for the sick, for religious groups, the hungry. Everybody, it seems, is asking for money. And I usually anguish over this. I, sometimes I'll throw some of them away right away. Other times I'll put them in a pile and I keep going back to them and shuffling through them and thinking, should I support this or that or not? And none of this is an easy decision. It's very, very trying, very difficult. But no matter what I decide, I always feel guilty about those that I decide not to give to. And it's, it's hard to throw them in the garbage, and I keep wondering if I'm doing something wrong. And the temptation is to give to all of them, but not for the reason that you might think. You know, I, I wouldn't be doing it because I knew that it would make a difference. Rather, I'd be doing it so that I'd be able to sleep at night. You know, to erase the guilt, uh, to feel like I'm a good person. And the reality is that I, I don't always give for the right reasons. There's a, a little bit of selfishness that's involved. My motives are anything but pure. But I'm not alone. In today's first reading from the second book of Kings, we, we hear a very wonderful story about Naaman the Syrian. And unfortunately, this evening, we're not hearing what comes before this. And so it, what we do here tonight loses a little bit of its impact. So let me summarize here very quickly some of the parts that lead us to what we hear this evening. You see, Naaman is an army commander, a general, and he's a foreigner, he's a Syrian, and he's afflicted by leprosy, and his wife's servant is a captured Israelite, and the servant tells Naaman to go to the prophet Elisha to be healed, and Naaman, well, he's a little beside himself because he's He's thinking that, well, why can't I just pray and, and be healed right here? And so Naaman approaches his king, and he gets a letter of recommendation because he would not be able to travel into Israel without that, and, and he heads off to be cured. And upon meeting Elisha, Naaman is more than a little disappointed in the prophet because Elisha simply tells him to go wash in the Jordan seven times. That's all you have to do. 
And Naaman is thinking, that's, that's your solution? And so then Naaman starts bragging about the rivers of Syria being superior to the rivers of Israel. And he storms off in anger. But the servant convinces him to give it a try anyway. And so he does. He does what Elisha tells him, and he's cured. And then, instead of heading back home, he does something very, very remarkable. He seeks out Elisha, and he thanks him with all his heart. And even going so far to, to tell Elisha that he will no longer worship the false gods of his homeland, but for the rest of his life will only worship the God of Israel. So he, he leaves then, he goes back home, but it's not only that he's cured, but Naaman, who was a man filled with anger and reluctance and and less than pure motives is not only healed but transformed. He becomes a completely different person. And, and that gives me hope. You know, like Nahum, and I have my doubts, I have my preconceived notions of how God could and and God should act. And I don't always come before the Lord with a pure heart for the best of reasons. And I can be selfish. I can be angry and impatient. I can be petty. And I certainly can think it's all about me at times. And the amazing thing is that it won't stop God if God chooses not to let it. You know, God's love, God's goodness, God's healing and mercy, it's poured out on the good and the bad, on the poor and the wealthy, the young and the old, on the countrymen or the foreigner. You know, God's Action does not have to come through or impact the best or the beautiful. God can heal. God can work through the flawed and the broken and, and the marginalized and, and even the proud. And that's me. You know, the challenge for the Christian is not trying to figure out if God will act. It's deciding what to do when God does act. And that will make all of the difference in the world. Because there is, there is one gift that defines who we are as God's people of faith. And that gift is gratitude. Faith-filled people are grateful. Faith-filled people do not let the, the blessings in their lives go unnoticed or, or unappreciated. And it is the thankful heart that is right for true transformation. And that's what we saw with Naaman. And in our gospel this evening, ten lepers are healed. 
And, and then we hear that only one of them returns to give thanks. And, and who is he? He's, he's the one foreigner amongst the bunch. And yet it is precisely in the heart of this outsider that God is alive. This man is saved because his heart is open to change, open to recognizing and, and being thankful for God's goodness in his life. And both Naaman and the leper in the gospel could have gone about their business without being grateful. You know, they, and even with that, God would have continued to heal them, to care for them, to let him know how much he loves them. You know, they could have just gone on. But their gratitude their gratitude made all of the difference. And we can be pretty sure that, that they were never, never the same again. And that those who were in their world, they weren't either. Their family, their friends, all those that, that they would touch as their lives went on. And that is what is promised to us too. Yes. God showers us with good things. And yes, God can heal us in many ways. And yes, God will not withhold his love and his mercy from us. But none of that will make one bit of difference if we are not grateful for it. But if we are, then the tiniest blessings in our lives will seem as if they are the greatest of gifts. And the smallest of gifts will have the greatest of impact on our lives. I think most uh, folks here, I, I would at least hope, know of the actor Michael J. Fox. It's been quite a few years since he had his uh, sitcom. And uh, not too many years ago, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's at a very, very young age. And despite that awful illness that he has to face each and every day, he's grateful. He's grateful for the incredible life that God has given him, for his wife and his kids, his tremendous career, all of the material blessings that God has showered upon him. And because of his gratitude, his spirit is still thriving, despite the fact that his body is failing him. And he still experiences peace and meaning and joy, despite the heavy cross that he carries. And I believe it's because he is truly thankful for his blessings. My friends, let's not accept God's blessings in a ho-hum or unappreciative way. Let's open our hearts with the key of gratitude, knowing and trusting that a grateful heart is a, a sure sign that God is alive and well in, in the very depths of each and every one of us. 
And we as a, a people here at St. Margaret of York, there's a lot of gratitude and, and I believe that that makes such a great difference in what this community, what you can feel here. And people say that to me all the time. There's just something very special about this place and about its people. And uh, I think that has so much to do with uh, a recognition of how much we are gifted in, in what God has given us, uh, the friends that we have, and uh, certainly so much more. And, and, and spending time being grateful for that makes such a difference. Let us uh, pray as we are gathered around this table this night, celebrating Eucharist, thanksgiving, that uh, our lives may continue to be enriched and uh, we may continue to know and to express the gratitude back to God that God has shown us.